Hey there! Welcome to the More Than a Circle podcast from Storyly. This is where we discuss disruptive ideas that can unlock new channels, spark creativity, and inspire the mobile ecosystem. In every episode, Team Storyly will get together with industry and subject matter experts and key opinion leaders to explore new topics, share their insights and knowledge, and offer valuable advice and guidance to help listeners understand and stay ahead of the latest trends and developments in the industry. Whether you are a marketer, a developer, a designer, or simply someone interested in the future of mobile technology, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into more than a circle. Welcome to the second webinar of More Than a Circle series from Storly. I'm Nurchin, I'm the customer engagement team lead at Storly. And today it will be my pleasure to host this webinar and ask our questions. Today, my guest is Natasha Rolik. She is the chief product officer of Grace Health, the number one trusted women's health application across Africa. Welcome Natasha, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you for having me and for a nice introduction. Thank you. And together with Natasha, uh, today we will be talking about the role and the impact of technology, mobile technologies, to be more precise in closing the gender gap. And we will discuss it from a healthcare perspective to have Natasha's contribution and hear her experiences. As you know, International Women's Day is just around the corner. It's tomorrow. This special day is a reminder to accelerate gender parity because progress without women is not possible. 48 years have passed since its recognition by the United Nations, but women's struggle for equal rights has been going on even longer than that. Yet gender equality remains a major global challenge confronting humanity. Disparities in access to education, healthcare, financial resources, and legal rights on the top of problems, such as violence and discrimination, lack of representation and leadership, social and cultural factors. All of these hold women back from realizing their full potential. Especially with the pandemic, global progress started to stagnate. In fact, I have something very interesting here. World Economic Forum estimates that it will take more than 130 years to close the gender gap worldwide. That means it won't happen in our lifetime. It won't be even happening in our children's lifetime. I don't know if you would agree with me, Natasha, but when talking about gender inequalities, I noticed that the conversation tends to be around economic, or business case. Of course, we cannot overlook the results of women's participation in the economy can bring about, but I think women's health and maternal and reproductive health should also be the key topics in these conversations because besides being a basic human right, it is also a must in achieving equality in social and economic prosperity. And that brings me to my first question here, Natasha. Uh, can you please feed us on the role of meeting women's health needs play in improving gender equity? 
Well, you summarized global situation uh, very well. Um, and it's actually very interesting that you asked about equity in the context of the discussion. So with International Women's Day approaching, I'm sure there will be a lots of talk about gender equality. And we will sh see some very interesting numbers showing that the world in general is moving in the, in the positive direction. And that is a fact that globally more and more women have more and more opportunities as men. For example, they have access to medical facilities. However, women still face much more barriers to benefit from these opportunities. And the key to removing these barriers is to refocus a bit this whole discussion from equality to gender equity. So it's very, very important that we understand what is what each of these things uh, mean. So equality gives the same opportunities. But the concept of equity understands that there are differences between men and women in terms of health needs or access um, and control over resources, for example. And this is especially visible in um, developing countries that Grace specifically is addressing. So equity works in addressing these differences to correct the imbalance. So in practical terms, that would mean that we as a society need to work on correcting maybe historical wrongs that have left women behind. In many countries, they didn't have the same right for employment, for example, but we also need to provide them with the tools to, to, so that they can actually success in exercising their equality. And as you can imagine, this is quite a big cultural shift uh, and the shift in a, in a discussion, and it requires a lot of effort from different directions so that we can provide women with these extra support rather than just giving them the same opportunity as men and thinking, okay, we, the story is done. And now to actually answer your question more specifically, what is the correlation in meeting their health needs and um, improving gender uh, gender equity? So if in a society we notice that there is a progress in meeting women's health needs, that means that society have working strategies in uh, improving gender equity because one can't exist without the other. At the end of the story, equity means equality is the results, be it in health, education, employment or anywhere else. And unfortunately, we are still far away from global equitable society. Thanks a lot, Natasha. Thanks a lot for bringing this up and explaining us what is the difference between equity and equality. And uh, this will also help us the rest of the webinar today. And let's talk about Grace Health a bit. To be honest, by the way, personally, I feel very honored to be a part of your journey. I know the whole Storla teams feel the same. Uh, it has almost been a year you integrated Storla into your application, and we love seeing great results together. And with this fantastic application that is putting women needs at the core. So within this context that we just talked about, can you please take us through the journey a bit? I mean, the mission, the inspiration behind Grace Health. Mm -hmm. Well, Grace was founded not so long ago. Uh, it was founded in 2018 by Therese Menheimer and Estelle Westling. And their vision was to create a digital health clinic in emerging markets for those women who own their phones, but they lack trusted access to reliable information and accessible healthcare. And it started very simply, uh, actually, as a Facebook messaging chatbot that offered tracking um, and advice on menstrual cycles and their productive health. And since then, in these couple of years, we came um, a long way. So 
Our mission is to reshape health for next billion women in emerging markets. And driven uh, by this mission, Grace App is now not just a chatbot, it's a mobile app that actually acts as a personal and trusted health assistant to more than a million women in sub-Saharan Africa, which is the market that we are focusing for the moment. Um, and in the context of equality and equity discussion, we are actually working on improving equity. So we are breaking barriers that women encounter, and especially in, uh, in our markets. Um, our markets are societies that are colored with stigma. And there we managed to achieve to be a safe place where women can uh, increase their health literacy, especially regarding sexual and reproductive health. They can ask uncomfortable questions about their health, uh, maybe get reliable advice on preventative health care, information about the symptoms, uh, get appropriate tools, and most important, affordable health uh, care services from our medical partners. So with everything that we did in the past and that we do now, we aim to help every woman to take control over her health by giving her options, or maybe it's better to say we give her power that she can invest in her well-being and take care of her emotional, physical, and mental health. And this is our main goal as a Grace Health. That is so great. And knowledge is power, right? That's mm -hmm. what I think of when I think about Grace Health and its mission. Access to accurate and reliable information about healthcare is as important as to healthcare uh, to healthcare services. Mm -hmm. So, in the case of reproductive health, I believe it is even more crucial because these topics regarding women's health, from fertility to miscarriages, from periods to menopause, these are still taboo in many cultures. There is a real gap caused by the feeling of shame. Many women die from preventable causes related to their reproductive health. Every day in 2017, approximately 800 women died from preventable causes related to pregnancy and childbirth. And cervical cancer, for example, mm -hmm. up to 90% is preventable when caught at an early stage. In some cases, unfortunately, uh, the shame causes a delay in the diagnosis. Shame and taboo, these are extremely powerful. Eventually, all the unspoken issues become emotional burdens that damage one's mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think this year's uh, theme identified by UN Women is even more meaningful in this regard, innovation and technology for gender equality. The femtech products that focus on breaking this tub are actually doing a great job. And Grace Health. Grace Health is one of them because what you are doing is really empowering. Empowering women with knowledge, with mobile technologies, empowering women with a platform where they can ask their questions in privacy. Questions that they are ashamed of asking to anyone else. This platform, it really starts a conversation. It helps women to understand their bodies. It helps them to understand that they are not the only ones going through a specific problem. And can we talk about this a bit? How mm. do you help overcome this taboo, shame, and start the conversation? I mean, how do you deliver the content to your audience? And how do you think the knowledge shapes the whole uh, story here? You brought up some really um, interesting points here and uh, this shame that you mentioned and that women feel around topics related to their reproductive and sexual health 
is always a result of societal stigma that is especially pronounced in markets that we are addressing. So you can find it absolutely everywhere in Western Europe, in America, but in uh, developing countries, it's very, very pronounced. And as you can assume, it's very often rooted in very conservative beliefs about female sexuality, virginity, purity. There is at play also imbalance of power when it comes to sexual, uh, sexual and social relationships. And then on top of it, there is a layer of religion and traditions in one culture. And for all these reasons, these topics are very sensitive and we need to be careful how we start these conversations. So talking about grace, now how we do it. So our primary goal with every user is to build trust. So in one hand, each user needs to feel that we are expect respectful towards her, to her beliefs, her culture, etc. But on the other hand, she needs to feel that we are not going to judge her if she doesn't fit these official norms of society. Um, and I have to say that I'm really, really proud that um, Grace is very successful in building trust, in building this safe environment. And that is obvious from the feedback that we get uh, from our users on a daily basis. So um, things that are coming up very, very often and that kind of motivate us to keep in this direction is that um, our users perceive us as a very knowledgeable uh, best friend or a, a sister, older sister that they didn't have, or very cool aunt that they can talk about uh, about anything. Um, and then once you build this trust and you create this emotional relationship with your, uh, with your user, it gets easier to talk about sensitive topics and it's easier than to make a real impact on someone's life. So in practical terms, uh, we can say that all Grace users have one user journey. So they come in with a certain set of knowledge uh, during their lifetime, they are exposed to uh, educational um, content, and then at the end, they do the change that has impact on their health. Now, depending on the specific goals, interests, and needs of each user, this journey can branch in a different directions. And this each branch is a combination of um, specific educational content drivers for change behavior, and most importantly, tools and services that actually support our users in their journey. Uh, and we deliver that in, a, in a multiple ways, through app, through web, through our partners. And as you, as you know, Storly is, uh, is a tool that we use a lot and it plays a vital role as it gives us the opportunity to optimize these journeys very, in a very quick and efficient way and deliver very engaging content that our users appreciate a lot. And that's the beauty of, of technology, as you mentioned. Um, we are addressing a very sensitive topic in a controlled and safe environment. So we can talk about anything like from uh, uh, contraception uh, to sexual relationships, to abortions that are illegal in some countries, like absolutely any topic that women can be interested in, we can talk thanks to uh, technology. So she just needs a mobile phone app and a little bit of data. That, that sounds really great. And you're right, building trust, it must be the key. And it's so obvious that you are doing an amazing job here. And also, I'm so happy to hear that Storly is helping. Uh, it's helping you with the user journeys and engagement. Um, I would like to talk about the user feedback a bit more here. I'm assuming it must be your most valuable and critical resource because it mm -hmm. is how you can identify what's lacking and gather insights on user needs, expectations, the problems, and also personalized content. Uh, it is even more important when it comes to health. But 
The data landscape is changing, as you know, it's becoming more privacy centric now. How do you hear from your users and how will these changes uh, impact you? Well, considering the topics that we, we cover and services that, that we provide, privacy is extremely important. It's actually prerequisite to building this trust, as I just mentioned. So due to the nature of, of the app, from the start, we build our product with the privacy in mind. And all our partners are very much aware of that. So we use first-party data and our product is actually built around it. So there is not much impact and change for us in that regard. Uh, where we are going to see the, the impact uh, is user acquisition. Um, but we have plans and tactics in place to minimize the impact because at the end of the day, we are in the same boat as everybody else when it comes to, when it comes to this. Um, and as for user feedback, we actually covered that in different ways. Some of it is public. It's easily accessible and everyone can see it in a review section of, of Play Store. So that's a very good source of feedback. Uh, but sometimes we need to ask very specific questions to our users. And that type of information is always anonymized um, because, you know, it's a sensitive topic and users will feel more inclined to give us response if they know that their answers are anonymous. Uh, we use different tools for this. Sometimes it's, it's web forms. Sometimes uh, we, we have chat messages. But one of the main tools is, again, uh, Storly. This sounds like a promotional content. But it's <laughs> Um, I mean, Storly is very convenient for us like to, to ask this question. And as I mentioned before, uh, this type of feedback uh, can be anonymized because we don't need to know exactly which person answered what. So aggregated data is good enough uh, for us to inform the future content and product development. So as to summarize, we are not going to be impacted by these changes significantly. Yeah. That sounds so good. And I know that you're using interactive features of Storly very efficiently. We also use Grayself application. I mean, for example, you're using open-ended comment feature of Storly where you can ask your questions what they want to hear or what is their questions to ask you. And I'm, again, very happy to be a part of this so that you can gather user feedback. Mm -hmm. And uh, to move on, I have two more questions. Uh, the next one is a bit personal because it's about you. Uh, how did you decide to start in Fantech? How was your experience so far? Because I guess one of the most fulfilling part of it, seeing the impact of the change, positive results, hearing the feedback, changing lives. But other than that, what was your motivation and what keeps you motivated? Mm -hmm. So I was actually on the lookout for a new challenge that will be in the impact sector. So I wasn't really aiming um, for femtech because I always had the perception that, okay, it will be hard to get there if you don't have previous experience. But just when I was a bit heating up in my uh, in my search, Therese actually reached out to me. Uh, we had an initial chat and we simply clicked. So Grace fit all my criteria and obviously I fit uh, Therese's. She felt the same. And then we embarked on this journey uh, together. And I have to say that lots of things happened since I joined. It's a bit um, over a year. And it was really interesting to see how business transformed in such a, a short time. And uh, as a team, we managed to turn challenging times in uh, in our favor. So we started as a exclusively B2C uh, product, but now we have also B2B offering. Uh, and that side of the business is actually supporting our mission to empower women to take control 
or their health and ultimately reshape health for women in emerging markets. And that is probably the biggest motivator you can you can have to see that everyday things that you do on in your work leave positive mark on people's life. And we are actually changing world for the for the better. And you know, that's what keeps us going. And uh, every now and then, you know, it's normal that you sometimes you feel demotivated. We are we are startup, right? So you have ups ups and downs, but uh, we have this thing in the company when we feel down, we actually read user feedback and uh, uh, our app offers help also for women who want to uh, to want to get pregnant education uh, about fertility and how to get pregnant uh, and it's uh, i guess the most joyous thing that you can get the user tells you okay i was trying to get pregnant for a, for a year or so and then i start using grace and 3 months after following the advice and the 3 months after here i am pregnant so it's uh, it's nice to hear that or user saying okay you know i i realized that um, i actually had serious health issues and you know i followed the grace advice went to, to to your doctor that you uh, recommended and now I'm I'm well so that's wow. the biggest motivator that you can have actually at uh, work like this I mean that's so wonderful yeah. and what you're doing is amazing and I'm sure yes you must have so many good memories experiences I mean real life examples right and yes. and in your answer you also mentioned business a bit uh, my next question is about this in 2022 the healthcare startups raised 26 billion. Femtech seems to be the most uh, successful in fundraising, let's say. What are your projections for the future of Femtech, especially for those aiming to close the gender gap using technology? And what is your vision uh, for Grace Health um, to keep the momentum going? Mm -hmm. Well, much smarter people than I am said that market size uh, for femtech is projected to grow to 103 billion uh, US dollars in 2030 and this is a very significant growth if you compare it to 51 million dollars valuation from 2021 so from business um, perspective the future looks bright and promising um, and having in mind that historically women health was uh, deprioritized in research uh, it's understandable that right now we are experiencing these knowledge gaps in women's disease and women's health. Uh, and some topics are unfortunately still considered taboo and they're very stigmatized, not just in developing countries, but, but globally. So there is a big, big opportunity to use technology to close these gaps. And we see that like, there is uh, lots of new companies popping up addressing, uh, addressing female health. So I think if they do things smartly, there is for sure piece of market that they can take. Um, as for Greece, well, we aim to keep the momentum going. We need to improve our products and services um, further in order to improve gender equity when it comes to when it comes to health. And uh, everyone in Greece is very driven, and we are very ambitious people. And with a little bit of luck, I'm quite confident that we are going to achieve our vision and actually change the health outlook for next billion women in emerging markets. So we we aim to keep going strong. That sounds so great, and I believe in the same way. And so I could hear that the future looks promising as well. And actually, that was all of my questions. This has been an amazing session. Thanks a lot, Natasha. Uh, I hope you enjoyed as well, like I did. And if let's see uh, if we have any questions from the audience now.
All right, we already have a question here. Okay. So how do you market the product in markets that may be biased and display societal prejudice toward this app in an initial stage? Mm -hmm. So marketing product that is addressing female health and uh, sensitive topics around sexuality is always tricky. So you can't be very, very direct. Uh, luckily, we have a network. You, you have to be really creative. So of course, you need to rely on digital marketing, but uh, we are also period tracking app. And that's quite, I would say, vanilla topic. So uh, in the initial stages, we did advertise us as a, a health assistant who is actually helping women track their track their, their cycle and lots of users comes come in in the app expecting just um a period tracker but then already in our own boarding they can see that they can get much more so we our goal is once we get these users we delight them on the first so they understand you know they get the, to aha moment very fast and we have actually quite high retention retention rate but aside from that we have a network or of partners lots of NGOs for addressing women there on the market, and we also collaborate uh, collaborate with them. Organic traffic is extremely, extremely important uh, as well. So we started working on that more and more, and uh, that will be probably one of the biggest uh, acquisition uh, channels for us in the um, in the coming years. Uh, because really, it's if you're relying on um, on Facebook, that is quite uh, popular in these in these markets. You're very, very limited with what you can what you can advertise. So you need to get uh, uh, get creative. I hope this answered the question. I think this is a really great question and also the answer uh, that is very insightful for our audience today. Um, I guess we don't have any more questions for now, but you can always reach out to us uh, if you have any further questions or feedback. You can always visit Story.io uh our website so to sum up um thank you for uh thank thanks a lot everyone for joining us this webinar today uh we hope you enjoy the conversation and it sparks some ideas in your mind um a video recording of the session will be available in our youtube channel and an audio recording will be published as a podcast very soon we appreciate your time and attention Hope to see you at future events. Thank you. Thank you very much.